Hello and welcome to Rep Screenings episode 91. I'm your host and with me is my regular host Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. And we're here to talk about movies. I don't think I've watched a single movie since we last recorded. Have I either? I mean, did, was Paddington between podcasts? I don't even know. Yeah, I believe so. That was it. I haven't watched any movies. Uh, me neither. Have Destiny done anything? I saw uh, Asteroid City at a pre-screening at the Alamo Draft House. It was great. Um, uh, what is it about? I don't know anything it, about this. It's about... Okay, so for those of you who don't know, this is Wes Anderson's uh, most recent film. And it's about this, like, misma- mishmash of people who converge upon this desert town for a convention of like it's it's for a sci-fi convention or excuse me a science experiment convention for uh these like gifted kids and um their parents and everybody they're all just kind of commingling and it's also um a it's a teleplay or it's a play that's being televised or the making of it is also being televised uh, so there's like layers going on. <laughs> so there's these black and white segments about the playwright played by Edward Norton. But anyway, it's mostly just about the ensemble and the weird things that happen in Asteroid City that keep them there. And um, I really enjoyed it. Tom Hanks is hella subdued in this. <laughs> uh, fair enough. It was a good time. Uh I, it was nice to like Scarlett Johansson in something, because I feel like I have not liked her in anything in a really long-ass time. I don't like her as a person. I used to have a big crush on her. But anyway, um, yeah, this movie was really good. I enjoyed it a great deal. It's mm-hmm. If you don't like Wes Anderson, you're not going to like it. And, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> but I like that he's doing more like, I don't know, just everything feels very, te- like his movies have a lot of texture going on, and I'm really enjoying him exploring like texture in a way that he doesn't usually like obviously he's visually um very stylish and specific he has a vision but i don't know i feel like he's doing more with he's he's doing a lot <laughs> and it's really interesting to see Mm-hmm. yeah uh i guess that's it because nobody watched any movies <laughs> gonna be a short one yeah it's gonna be a short one uh our movie club this week is my beautiful laundrette uh directed by Stephen frears written by hanif Qureshi. this came out in the uk in 1985 jackson you picked this one yeah i did why well i'd seen it before oh you had oh right i was the only one who hadn't seen this uh i'd seen this in um in my film uh class at school uh and i loved it at the time um I don't remember what unit it was in. It was this, and I think um, Young Soul Rebels. I think that also, it must have been in like a British film unit. It was this and that, and uh, I've never even heard of I, Young Soul Rebels. I, I think um, Don't Look Back in Anger was the older, like fifties one. Uh, just going through like British cinema, um, and those all stuck out as being really great movies. And uh, I remember this, and was like, I want to revisit this. We're doing uh, gay movies for Pride Month, I guess. <laughs> Unintentionally, yeah, this, was, this was truly a fake thing that you just took very seriously. <laughs> yeah, you know that what happened. Em's roasting me for this, but Em, in fact, completely straight face said to me like, "Oh, you're not going to pick a gay movie." Uh, 
I guess. And I was was but was being sarcastic about it. But I just believe you when you say things. So I got I've in been my doing head it for ten years. That's on you at this point. <laughs> Fool you once, no. shame on me. Fool you for ten goddamn years, shame <laughs> on you. Oh, sorry. I keep believing my friend when they give me advice about the podcast that we do together. How <laughs> dare I? You know what? I like that we have a theme. In fact. I like the theme so much. The next movie we're picking is fitting this uh, theme that we unintentionally had going. Yeah. So don't feel that at all. It wasn't, it wasn't all. like a problem. It wasn't like a problem. Like This no. is a movie I really remember liking. I was very excited to revisit because I haven't seen it since I was um, in school, uh, which is now like eight years ago. Uh, God, fuck. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Jackson, what happens in this movie? Uh, okay, a lot of moving parts are actually happening. There's more plot in this yes, movie than I you can I be. You can be remembered. brief about it. But uh, this movie is about Omar, who is a uh, young man, son of uh, this like uh, Pakistani immigrant family in London, and the Pakistani immigrant family is like fairly wide. In that there's there's the two uncles, or his dad and his uncle, and so their brothers uh, are like you know he one of them uh, NASA is uh, like a landlord businessman successful businessman who fucking sucks he's a landlord uh and then the other one his dad uh what's his dad called they just call him papa usually uh hussein um is a like bedridden fairly sick uh former important left-wing intellectual in pakistan yeah, former uh you know uh immigrant socialist uh but it is the Thatch era, and the other guys like always. Ah, oh, thanks for thanks for Thatcher. We have come here and made the British dream real, uh, and it's it's that kind of movie. Uh, you had a lot of bouncing between uh, these views as Omar decides to like, how am I going to fit into this whole uh, texture going on here? Uh, and he takes over a um, laundrette that uh, NASA owns and starts trying to build it up uh, with his uh, boyfriend Daniel Day Lewis, Johnny. Uh, who he knew from school. Uh, and Daniel Day Lewis is like a cool kid who kind of hangs around with the fascists but doesn't really believe it, but also they're his friends because, uh, you know, he's grown up in the early 80s uh, in Britain. They're all wearing National Front shirts. And he's kind British, of torn between. British fascist gangs are cartoonish. I just don't know how I'm supposed to take these guys seriously. That's no, that accurate National Front gang. <laughs> okay. Not even like I know they look like they could be on the fucking Beano or something, but that is just I don't know what that means. I don't know yeah, what that means. you just like, said the most British thing I've ever heard you ever say, <laughs> and I've known you forever. Oh, sorry, you're not reading the numbskulls and Dennis the Menace I, and I, shit. I just I was like, oh, this is like this is like if these guys showed up for Clockwork Orange, they'd be like, no, come on, be serious. <laughs> uh, this is just—I mean, I wasn't even born in the eighties, but. Uh, this all rings true to me as a vision of this kind of thing. Okay. Um, but no, the National Front fucking suck. Uh, and they're, all, they're also like, I think this movie does a really good job of showing them as um, just like part of the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just there uh, and it sucks. And so he's kind of torn between his like fascist high school friend that he's not really like ride or die for, but he's still his friends and he's, you know, in that tension. And also Omar, who he's in love with, but then like, this love is being expressed so he has to work for him and uh, make him buddy at the fucking laundrette doing all the menial labor because uh, uh, that's capitalism baby uh, and just kind of goes through that tension throughout the movie uh, Omar's also like in conflict uh, with Salim who is the other like uh, that's um, NASA's son I think uh, but the I other I he's just uh, a family friend isn't he just a is no he just I, don't a think, I don't think he's, I don't think they're related 
I don't think they're related. Because when he or was... Maybe. Okay, in I the guess... very beginning when she's introducing all the ants, he, she is not referred to as an ant. But I guess I shouldn't take that literally because culturally... Older yeah. women are called auntie, but she was his wife was not included in that, so I just assumed they weren't related. Uh, I just you know, I mean, they're all part of like the family in like, this community, yes. right? They're all part yes. of this community yes. unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't necessarily know the like family tree here, but he is definitely part of this like uh, group. Uh, and like t- to to big up the um, laundrette, they kind of steal money from Salim and they rip him off a little. Also, uh, he's like extremely a glamorous drug dealer. <laughs> he is like actually like a gangster but in like a very i sell some drugs sometimes way he does not have it <laughs> in the being a violent gangster way uh but it's he's, he's got enough clout to threaten omar who is also a baby yeah um and there's like some tension there where he's ripping him off and he's like okay you know Salim threatening him back and eventually omar's like oh, i've got to get the money to pay Salim back and Salim is like you idiot. Like, I, I'm threatening you because I want you to shape up, but I don't actually want you to pay me back. It's the same money with the same family. <laughs> Have you not ever had a business before in your life? Uh, and it comes to a head as uh, Salim, like, runs over one of the National Front guy's foot. Uh, and to take revenge, uh, those guys come and beat him up outside the laundrette. And Johnny decides to, uh, after much consternation, uh, help save Salim's life as they to stop him beating him all the way to death. Uh, they like beat Johnny up, uh, beat Omar up a little as he also comes in fairly late and like smash the window of the laundrette, uh, but eventually run off. And then that's the end of the movie. Um, also, a whole subplot there with uh, uh, Tanya who uh is trying to trying to maybe hook up with and get married to omar it's like the arranged marriage they're trying to hook up but uh uh you know omar's very gay so that's not really going anywhere um and uh she just is sick of all this bullshit and decides to leave yes Uh, that's that's the other running running main plot there's a few other points there but that's the broad summary of the movie Mm -hmm. uh what do you think uh, I, oh, go no, ahead. You haven't no, seen you know, it. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, this is a movie I remember loving. Uh, rewatching it, there's way more plot than I remember. I don't know if I just didn't catch on. I don't know. Maybe I was watching it uh, and, and not paying as much attention the first time. But I just don't remember this movie having much as much plot as it does. Um, but I really like it. I think it is um, just... It, like, it doesn't have to be a queer movie, but the fact that it is is really interesting. And then, like, you've got all this stuff with the family and the sort of chosen family brushing up against each other. Like, well, the fascists are the chosen family in this case. <laughs> and, like, uh, I don't know. I, I just really liked it. Um, the stuff with uh, th- that scene with Daniel Day-Lewis's character, Johnny, and uh, Omar's dad, where he, like, goes to the laundrette and just calls him out to his face is really good. I um was struck by how goofy um and oftentimes like haphazardly moralistic the movie was. Discovering it was originally shot for TV, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense in some of the tone that's happening in this movie. Um I mean this movie's a comedy. Like uh, Yeah. But like broadly a comedy. Um I feel like in many ways it's like playing with ideas that it's unwilling to really like lean into being like depicting with like anything other than like levity, I guess. Um, Like main thing, Omar, Omar's dad wants him to go to college and read and become an intellectual. Cause he's like the only way out of this nightmare of living in 
the UK is to get an education and understand the system is broken. But it seems like he has not taught his son a single thing in his 18 years of life because Omar exists in a bubble where he's unaware of the world around him, even though he's supposedly living with like a famous intellectual father. Um, but he literally is clueless. Like he, he's, he's fucking data hanging around in like the family parties. I mean, his mum died because of that famous, you know, his intellectual dad was also like beating up his wife to suicide. Yes, I know. um, There's just like this vibe that like, um, because like when, when he shows up, like everyone kind of jokes, oh, you're, you're not even Pakistani anymore. You're just like British kid. Um, and he just kind of nods like dumbly and smiles and seemingly has no internal feelings about it. Um, in the way that everyone else is just clued into like the dynamics of the systems they live in. And you'd think his dad would have imparted any of that onto him and did not seemingly, because he's just seemingly unaware or ambivalent or doesn't care. Um, But it doesn't lean into like the slacker, not caring about it. He just kind of seems clueless. Um, Like he literally walks up to Johnny as like his gang is about to attack his family and goes, Hey, Johnny, haven't seen you in a long time. I'm like, what's going on here? Did you not think that was the most swagful thing that anyone's ever fucking done? <laughs> it was so cool. He, I think that is absolutely more like self-aware when he uh, just walks through them and goes up to Johnny. Than, I uh, truly don't read it that way. I don't think it's like head empty. Ooh, what are these fascists hitting my car doing? I think I, I feel like, like my impression of Omar is just like absolutely fucking clueless. Um, no, he's like super ambitious and like he is super ambitious, but I think he comes at it like in in ways that just don't seem to understand the people around him. Mm-hmm. Like he literally didn't realize he was smuggling drugs. He thought he was getting paid for cassettes, jams a cassette into the VCR and it doesn't even seem to notice it doesn't work. I'm like, what's going on? What are you what is your problem? Uh, I mean, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't understand the drug thing happening. There's just like an extreme like. I was this kid where it's like you just don't notice what's going on around you because you're like in a book all the time and just like whatever. And he's not like reading, but he just seems like in his own world in a way that is like genuinely like alarming in the in the, the world he is around and almost gets him killed like three times in this movie. I I think he is definitely more aware than that because like he reveals halfway through the movie that like, by the way, I remember like when my dad saw you at the fascist rally. Right. I'm not like ignoring these things. Yeah, I know. Uh, and he pointedly brings them up. I think he's just like very deliberately cutting those parts off because he is like highly focused on uh, this vision of um, relationships. Of he's he's here to secure the bag, and anything that is not securing the bag is something he's just not going to engage with in any way. Uh, and I I don't think it's pure like just being a dope. Uh, I, I, I think it's a little a more intentional than that. I think he, yeah, I kind of agree with Jackson. Like, I feel like he purposely rejects sort of the things that his father is about because he's like... I mean, yes, I do think that's true. But I think in doing that, he has chosen a sort of, like, positional, like, not like ignorance, but like ambivalence and naivete that feels cultivated uh, deliberately because uh, I feel like he sees it as like, if I just nod and go along, I can get it anywhere. And it turns out he can. That's true. That's correct. I think that is an intentional thing he has learned as what it means to like hustle in, uh, you know, South London. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that like that character is deliberately like that. I don't. It's think weird because like, no one else around him is doing that. Is the thing he is the standout character doing that? Like everyone on the Pakistani side is like 
we're going to like speed run capitalism. That's the only way immigrants get ahead under capitalism is to speed run it, which is just like common immigrant story, right? Like that's fine. That makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, the, all the fascists are like, we used to own this country <laughs> and now everyone else is speed running capitalism. We don't even know how anymore. No, we don't, we wouldn't want to, if we did, um, and really mad and racist about it. Um, and, uh, but everyone is like very entrenched in their positions. Um, and he just seems to drift along. Uh, it gets him pretty far, but it's just weird. Cause like there's, there's characters in his orbit that I'm like, you could express a little more care for these people. <laughs> There's there's no reason Tanya should have felt like so hang like holding like left holding the bag as everyone else gets what they want in this situation. You could have any compassion for her. Johnny's got compassion for her. Yeah, I just I I think Omar fucking sucks. I think he is here to climb yeah, the ladder. This is what I'm saying, but I think I think you are making him a 3D chess master. I think he's kind of a dopey kid who really lucked into a position that gets people ahead. I don't think he's a 3D chess man. I don't think he like plans the end. I think he is aware of how to like suck up to people and how to express the things that he wants and chase those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's like doing. I don't think he's thinking steps ahead or anything. But I do think there is an intentionality to how he acts with all the characters uh, to push this like laundrette plan further and further. Because he's even talking about how like when he's going to go propose this takeover scheme on the other laundrettes, like yeah. he expresses that like he's not going to take me seriously and realize that i'm building an enterprise here uh so he'll just like give them up but that's what i'm doing yes um so i, I think that he's absolutely like aware of this uh, persona he puts on yeah um, i just think the movie's more ambivalent about what that means like i don't think the movie draws clear lines and like omar is doing nasser's job better than nasser did because nasser is too bought into old ways um yeah uh I think the movie is just very ambivalent in general. I think it's like an ambivalent movie. It's like part of its strength, right? Mm. Um, I think it like puts a lot of stuff on the table in this kind of uncomfortable, like, yep, that's what it's like every day uh, situation. Yeah, I just think that it uh, by playing a lot of it as like a light, like comedy of like basically like two warring families, um, it leaves a lot of the thematic material on the table um, to just kind of sit there. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's often to me feels a little frivolous i'm like you could have like leaned in a little harder and i'm not saying it's got to be full like neo-realism i'm not asking for that i just was watching i was like this is like messy and like interesting ways but i wish it leaned in a little harder about any of the individual elements that make this story up um okay. i like that it's just kind of a soup because <laughs> it mostly is like lighthearted and pleasant or whatever but i'm like uh a little more please like there's like very little on uh, on Johnny's decision to stay. Uh, he mostly gets that speech with uh, with Talia before he, Tanya before she leaves, um, where he's like, you know, if he if I need to stay here for him, he needs me. I need him. You don't understand that because you were never close to him. But if you were, you would get it. You can't leave him. Um, but then you know he's about to pack up, and there's just nothing about like why he's finally fed up and packing up, and they just go to splashing each other. That's the end of the movie. It's fine, but it's a little frivolous. I would like more. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. I I didn't I did not have this problem. I thought like the characters all made made sense. Um, I felt like Johnny's sense of like he's like deeply in love with Omar mm-hmm. in a way he doesn't really know how to express. Yes, or even even process. Um, whereas like his relationship with his fascist buddies that he doesn't even agree with. Uh, it's very simple, right? He, he, those are people he likes. He likes to hang out and go drinking with them. Uh, he knows exactly where he stands with them. There is no complications there. It's like it's um, like there's almost there's like nothing else to do. If you're like a poor white guy in Britain 
with no job, you end up wrapped up in the Katamari ball of fascists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because what else are you going to um, do? Drink yourself to death? Like, those are the two things. You bum around with them or you drink yourself to death. Uh, yeah. And um, I, th- I thought the, like, way that his whole thing was portrayed was really good because he doesn't, like... It, it doesn't feel like he gets out of anything uh, at the end. He stays with Omar and he yes. makes the choice to, like, save Salim, but only out of, like, okay, they're probably going to kill him. I don't want them to kill him, kill him, right? But then when he, when he interrupts, he's like, please don't, like, don't want to fight. He he has this like kind of idyllic idea, even to the end of the movie, that like the fascists who come around saying we want to kill you every single day, uh, and his Pakistani boyfriend can all kind of get on, maybe. <laughs> yes, because um, he's also a really naive child. <laughs> yes, and so yeah, I saw the end of the movie much more being about like him being disabused of that dumbass notion. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I think at some level he's just going to let that keep happening to himself, right? Like clearly, mm-hmm. both Omar and Nasser realize they can use him as their heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Whether whether it's like I need you to tear down the laundrette, or I need you to uh, evict everyone in this building that you're now the like live in sub landlord of. Um. Yeah, I mean that that stuff was so good. <laughs> yes. Uh. Like, the ways in which they're like, oh, I don't want to let this outsider in, and, you know, he's a shitty white guy, and we don't trust him, and we may have seen him at the fascist rally. Uh, but then realizing that he just, like, it's actually really helpful to have a strong white guy on your team to evict people. But yeah, Nasser doesn't care, because he has utility. No. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Hussein cares, because he cares about such things, but it it is proven out by the film that, like, caring about such things doesn't get you very far when you're just kind of in bed about it. I mean, like, the way the movie treats Hussein is very much like, this is a movie from 1985. The fucking leftists beat their wives and failed. Yes. Uh, And it's very, like, resentful of the generation that left you with, and I guess now I live in uh, Thatcher, Britain. Thanks. Fucking thanks for that, guys. (laughs) Uh, Which is a a worldview I am very sympathetic to and understand. So I'm not like, oh, I can't believe that Hussein's character is uh, treated so badly, even though he has technically the worldview I agree with. Um. Yeah, he sucks. Though he is the fact. sucks. Oh yeah. yeah, he sucks. He sucks. Like the thing with like Salim is like he's clearly like the guy who would be most likely to actually kill someone. Um. He's he's trying to live that Tony Montana lifestyle, but he's also seemingly clearly like much more aware of his position in the world. Like there's the bit where Omar comes in to deliver the first bit of drugs, and he's like, "Come in." And he's hanging out with like his guy, his drug guy. Um. And he and he gestures around. He's like, "I have one of the best art collections of contemporary." you know, uh, Pakistani art in, in, in Europe or, or in the UK. He's clearly like aware of his position, like racially and money wise in the culture and wants to like utilize that mm-hmm. both for his own aggrandizement. And also like, I'm going to take care of people who make the, you know, our people who make art, who still live here. Um, right. And it's done entirely through the gaze of eighties drug fueled capitalism. But materially he is helping more people than hussein is in bed moping and drinking himself yeah. to death. and i was not helping anyone i was yes. actually taking over their businesses and becoming a fucking enterprise laundry yes manager. yes <laughs> um it's just it's just uh weird and interesting that's all um i think that stuff is like where i find the movie most fascinating um it's not really about those things like really like getting into them um i didn't to be fair didn't dislike it i just watched it like this is kind of a mess and I'm not sure, like, it's a mess I entirely enjoy. I think it's, like, incredibly well acted. Um, 
I think I think uh, Nasser and uh, Salim and uh, Dandy Lewis all fucking kill it. Uh, Omar, I'm a little more ambivalent about, but um, he's just such a goober. He's such a fucking goober. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I really like that. I think Omar's great in this movie. <laughs> and then I almost died when they were fucking as the thing is about to open. I'm like, what are you kids doing? You're gonna get murdered. <laughs> Uh, that's that scene like verges on being corny but I think actually works really well where he comes in and sees him getting dressed and there's just like a moment where no one says anything but you can kind of tell that NASA has like an opportunity to voluntarily choose to make the connection and see the thing in front of him and he just decides not to he doesn't even yeah. like admonish them or make up an excuse or what he just goes I, this didn't happen. He didn't ever comes up again. There's, but you see it on his face in the like yes. pause when they see each other putting on their shirts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that moment. He just doesn't think about. It. And he continues trying to set him up with set him up with Tanya. Yeah, he's just like. Well, I mean, no, just, I mean, to someone I, like Nasser, I feel like his conclusion would be like, it, it doesn't really matter if they're fucking. He should probably still get married. Uh, yeah, true. Like he could absolutely still be fucking Johnny on the side, getting married and have three kids. Uh which is honestly kind of Tanya's position on this. Yes. Um, if and Omar would know if he fucking talked to her ever yes, in his life. Ever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, you can you can keep your little fascist side piece. I don't care. I want to leave. Is what I want. Uh, the, she would the be very happy. Go, the three of us can go eat to Mama Tom Bien around the British countryside. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like eat to Mama Tom Bien cross with um, fucking what was that? Uh, the the movie we watched, the Shakespeare one with the, the guy at the end. The guy at the, the Shakespeare, Shakespeare with the guy at the one end. Was the guy at the end. The 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 British countryside movie we recently watched. The eighties British movie that I forgot the name oh, of the famous with one. And I. With Al and yes. I, yes. He said Shakespeare in my mind went entirely. I was like, oh, well, Shakespeare. we don't think we covered Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that does have a movie with a Shakespeare with the guy at the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But the Sorry, way you said it, it didn't click right away. It didn't click right away. Yeah, so that was a truly crazy thing to say. I understand <laughs> yeah. that. I did just forget the name with now live. Very famous movie. Uh, but well, sometimes I thought about I that a movie well. a lot watching this because that movie is similarly like scoped and kind of in many ways about the same like mental attitude, but just without the like cultural context in the same way right i mean that mm. one's much more about the like intentionality of the slack of life yes yes he says absolutely uh, but then both about the like just working class malaise of 80s britain yes mm. seems um, like a miserable fucking place <laughs> oh deeply miserable i mean the one tweet i made while watching this movie was that uh there's just i don't i don't believe any modern movie about the uk because the uk is not a hd country <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can't shoot a kitchen sink drama on, a, you know, an Ari Alexa. You just fucking can't do it. It looks. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is shot on the roughest sixteen millimeter film that you could buy in nineteen eighty five, and it looks yes. great. Um, I really like Rachel in this movie. I wish there was more stuff with her. Yeah, she's um, really good. Like, I'm not sure how deliberate it is that she. I mean, it is a little bit. Like when she talks to Tanya, it is very clear that she is projected onto Nasser this like. He needs me um, both because I'm like a woman, like a modern woman who's not going to be his like wife back at home, but also like I, I'm a white woman specifically who he can project the things of his aspirations onto. Very like Ali fears the soul about it. Um, and I wish there's more with her in it. Um, I think it is cartoonish that uh, Nasser's wife's curses work. Um, I was like, what <laughs> yes. is happening in this movie suddenly? I'm like, we're in Twin Peaks land. I mean, I mean the, did the bubble yeah. music score not give it away? <laughs> yes. 
the movie is just very silly. It's like a yes. silly movie. There's a lot of like rough edges to it that you can yeah. be like, oh, it doesn't dig down into it, which is true. But like when you think of it as this is a movie that throughout, until its first screening, right? Like it wasn't changed midway through. It was a made for TV movie that like hit at screening. So they like, yes. put it out theatrically. Yeah. Um, but for the vast majority of the time that this movie is being made, uh, it's meant to go like on TV at 8 p.m., have like a bunch of ideas in the pot and, you know, communicate them to just British people watching uh, in 1985 or whatever. Yeah, everyone has a good time and then goes to bed. You think about a few things, you go to bed, you go, oh, I like those characters and oh, racism's bad. Uh, or not, or, you know, you're a British person watching 85. It's not necessarily you would think racism is bad. <laughs> no, I mean, the movie The movie is very clear about how all of the, the Pakistanis are taking our jobs. <laughs> no, it, it is not clear about that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I, think I, the movie, would... I think the movie is very deliberate about, like, the, the, the work ethic of the British people has given way to people who have come here who care more about speedrunning capitalism. I don't think that's true at all. I think it buys into that. I think it definitely buys into that. I think it buys into the fact that uh, they clearly had money when they left Pakistan. Yeah, that's true. I think it is about, like, Amor doesn't... I think think part of the, the, like, xenophobia and racism inherent in, like, anti-immigrant sentiment is they come here, they already get a leg up because they're from somewhere else, and they had weird resources we don't understand, and they're going to do what we do better. Right, and I think the movie just accepts that as writ. I don't believe that because because there's in that entire scene where the guy gets evicted and is like accused of him being a traitor. I think it's about how rich immigrants have the ability yeah, to take this position, but it is. I don't think in any but way like, it's like saying but the, the 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 poet is not taking people's jobs. Nasser's little commercial empire is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. but like I don't think it's saying that. Like I think it is absolutely playing both sides a little bit on this one. I think I think I just, people who who are like, oh yeah, these people are coming and taking our jobs can watch this movie and go like, I enjoyed the drama, but these people are taking our jobs. The movie agrees with me. Mm. Yeah, I don't know um, about that. I think it's saying that like people come and take your jobs because that's how capitalism works. It just yes. happens that these yes. ones are But the people who the like the average person on the street can't solve capitalism and barely perceives the problem of capitalism. They yes. just see the the things that come out of the system, which is you know people with money want to come to the place with the most money to make more money and they do that but even if that's like an interpretation that you know a a dumb british person would have in 85 uh i the movie's not from that perspective it's about what it's like to be an immigrant uh and the perspective like the rich immigrants who suck are betraying the other immigrants because they have bought into the system of capitalism which was the original exploitation all along um yeah, but at the end of the day, Nasser and uh, Hussein getting together and be like, what matters is our children, uh, who we've g- given three laundrettes to, and uh, Salim gets saved. And I think the movie's just morally very ambivalent about actually condemning that viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is not, it's not like holding your hands through it, um, but I think like the tensions it's writing about are not necessarily buying into these assumptions. I think like the entire scene where... Johnny you know, evicts a guy and he throws his shit out the window. It's very clear that this is not like a generality about immigration. It is uh, about what it means to be rich and own businesses in anywhere. Yeah. I guess like the perspective missing is like you don't see any white business owners, right? You only no, no, see no. like the it definitely. I guess the, the vision of this critique I would have is its only vision of racism is the racism of like the working class people who are, whose aggr- aggrievements are real and their like targets are wrong. Yes. Not 
the fact that there are a million small business owners who are also fucking racist and white in the UK, yes. right? Those yeah, people yeah. just are a vacuum in this film. Yeah, and that's and definitely the, the, the framework, the, fr- the little picture frame of this movie is one massive Pakistani family who are mostly all rich entrepreneurs and a fascist street gang who all seem to be like dirt poor constantly, right? That Those are the two frameworks that we see. Uh, yeah. You don't just get the like rich white people walking around clapping. Yeah. It definitely exists, right? Yeah. Uh, there's absolutely... I mean, it's, it's, it's London in the 80s. There's middle-class white yeah. people around everywhere. It's not yes. just, like, poor people in um, skinhead gangs. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with, like, with and I, even with and I, they go to that one fucking tea cake room, and the real rich assholes of Britain are there. And you're like, oh, there's, like, a whole other level? We've been living in this little dream world where it's just, like, you know, suppressed queer longing and art people, and now there's some real motherfucking rich assholes in this cake place with little dogs and little cakes. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, like, those people are not living yeah. uh, in Vauxhall and Clapham in the 80s. <laughs> no, not, that is true. Like, but you know what I mean places... in terms of, like, popping the bubble of, like, the frame of the story, right? Yes. Um, I, I do understand this, this, the, the criticism more now. Um, and I, I get it, for, but yeah, specifically from the angle of, like, leaving out any racism that doesn't come from poor people does suggest an imbalance in the way to perceive that. Yeah. Because in the the day, Johnny's going to live it up with his rich, uh, you know, boyfriend who owns all of those stores. Yeah, I mean, he he escapes his fascist gang by... um, because of the, the you know uh, his Pakistani boyfriend becomes a landowner by, by right? being yeah by getting a by getting a day laborer job with his you know that he works for his boyfriend. Um, it the does power, not suggest- the power imbalance is fucked, and the movie's like not about that, right? It's a it's, little bit about mean, that, but not it's really. It's a little about. bit, yeah. It's extreme. I would say in in their relationship, I think that stuff is absolutely about that. Like he says, I I like you washing my floors, like yeah, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't really like have any rejoinder to that like there's it's not elaborate it's just like a lot of stuff on the table and not a lot of like direction it's pushed into i think like i I said i think it's really interesting but i go like you should do something with some of this a little bit i mean like i this movie that reminds me a lot of um i do the right thing uh but like if the last bit didn't happen if it was just the everyone hanging out on the street part oh i could see that sure yeah and it's Uh like a portrait of this kind of small community that is representative of many views uh, and it, it does have its own like climax, but not in the way that Do the Right Thing does. Right? Like, it has like a <laughs> literally as someone throwing a thing through a window, and I thought of Do the Right Thing, and I rolled my eyes. I was like, "This movie does not have it." Like Do the Right Thing. I was already thinking this, and then he threw the thing for the window, but it was like it's kind of like a nothing end yes. to the scene. <laughs> I was yes. like, what? "What does it really have that?" Um, but it does like lay out a bunch of tensions, even if it doesn't express the way that those tensions like cohere into like moments of uh, sheer awful catharsis. Yes. Um, because like, yeah. I mean, do the right thing is a better movie than this. Yeah. I mean, the, getting... other, the other thing is like, <laughs> just the just the idea of like owning a laundromat as like your key to financial wealth and success is weirdly loaded and like not true, right? And I understand it's different because it's also a front for running like drug money clean. Like he's literally say. like he's really like you know wa- like uh, laundering the the illegal money. But you look at like a movie that we don't even like. Uh, like everything everyone all wants is very clear about the ways in which like this sort of entrepreneurism is a trap that immigrants get thrust into where they basically spend their lives constantly in debt in failing businesses that just became like the support structure of communities 
I disagree that it is clear about that, but go on. <laughs> it's part of it. It's definitely part of it. It's part of it, but then it does say, I would have been happy doing Tackers of the Laundry with you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's a stupid so the movie. The, the emotional content goes in a direction that kind of invalidates a lot of it. But it starts with, like, she works this shitty job because it kept her family fed their entire lives, but it's going under. Because these, these, these are not winning companies, right? The whole point, everyone around him goes, these are not winning companies. And he's like, well, I'm the protagonist, and I've got, like, this other thing on the side that's going to fix it. And he just, it makes it work. But he makes it work by stealing drug money. Like, he doesn't yes, actually like, know, do anything. I know, I know. The, but the movie materially... is not, like, about how he's only managed to make it work this one time because of that, right? Uh, I think it is more about that than not, because I think it's about how, like, he knows the laundry. The movie ends is... happily. They get a happy ending where he's going to be a laundry entrepreneur and everything's going to be all right. And I think it's, yeah. like, just not true. I think it's, like, a fake thing that the movie presents because it's 97 minutes and everyone's got to go home happy. Well, also... I think it is... Oh, go ahead. Justin, you go. I, I, I... Say, I think it is explicit that, like... He's not running a laundrette. He's running an enterprising business. He knows the money is not in fucking laundry. It's in taking over other people's businesses. Yeah, I know. But the movie definitely depicts it as like, this is just a normal job people have. I guess. Oh, that's new, you guys. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like it ends on a note where, yes, it seems happy at first. But if you really sit and like, I don't know, like their relationship could get uncovered and something could hit the fan. There could be more, like, retaliation from those gangs. Like, the tension is still there for, uh, at least for me, it was. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see that in the movie. Like, yes, all those things could be true, but the movie ends with them splashing and then a fucking 1950s studio, the end, spinning out at you. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's generally a very ambivalent movie. It's very happy to, like, present things. Yeah. Uh, and I think and I think that's them. why I'm like way down more down on it than both of you. Which I did like the movie. Don't get me wrong, um, mm-hmm. but I look at it, and I go, this should go harder. Yeah, I get the frustration, but I, I still had a really good time rewatching it. I like when he licks him. <laughs> <laughs> um, the absolutely unhinged bit where Tanya's like flashing him from outside the room where like literally six people probably could have seen her I'm losing my mind I'm like no one would do this <laughs> same I was also like come on <laughs> she's like uh, ready to go the minute he shows up it's like oh someone who's not in my fucking dad's shitty orbit immediately gonna jump him <laughs> yes uh, she uh, alas chose I wish there was I wish there was more of her in this movie I think she's great I liked her a lot too I'm laughing at the end because I'm like where's she going she's at Queenstown Road she wouldn't have gone she, she would have gone to Clapham Junction because that's the train station you go to not a thing that anyone who doesn't live in London <laughs> will care about but you're not fucking leaving anywhere going to Queenstown Road station you're going to walk down the way and go to the actual train station that has <laughs> thing, trains going places um, there's one bit uh, as we wrap up probably um there's a bit where Cherry and Salim come in. And they're both coming down the stairs and they're like at like party outfits. And I'm like, they are competing to have the biggest same hair. <laughs> they are in front of the mirror, both trying to get their hair as big as possible to one up each other. And I love that about them. I love that that's clearly their relationship vector. <laughs> it's what keeps them together. <laughs> yes. God, the scene where he wears the fucking beard in front of everyone is so funny. I, Cherry's so great because she clearly thinks omar is utterly contemptible but loves how much it riles up her husband yes it's like oh this kid doesn't have a fucking clue and he sucks but he makes uh salim really mad so i'm gonna let it slide <laughs> i'm gonna have a baby with salim but i love that this kid riles him yes yes um all right do we have anything else i think i'm uh, good not personally um, i still like this film Me i like too. it too 
and I liked it better a second time around because apparently I just didn't pay that much attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, our question of the week. Oh, what if you want to send an email? Send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Our question of the week was uh, directors who started in TV or did TV whose work you particularly liked. Um, we didn't really get that many emails. I This was a weird week where we had three separate things getting emails in. So I assume that probably stole Plymouth's Thunder. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I deliberately told people not to send emails for one of them. And it wasn't this one. It's fine. It's fine. Everyone knows that you simply resent the universe of making you consider Gundam Seed for even a second longer than is necessary. That's true. Anyway, our first email is from James. Uh, the Children's Hour episode made me wonder if there are any performances by a child actor you find really interesting or memorable. Oh, I know there are. And I was uh, thinking about which this. Which I say, AI, artificial intelligence. Fucking great. I love yeah. the kid. Sora. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you go. I love the kid in Paris, Texas. But yes. I also really love the kid, and it's the same kid that was in Persona, but the kid in Night Games, because I, I, I feel like he needs a therapist stat, and he, he really gave it his all, and I hope that he got some help after that. Because <laughs> he was exposed to some ridiculous things. Yeah. I, of course, have to mention the greatest child actor performance of all time, which we all know to be the kid playing Jack Black from the start of The Pick of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> that kid deserves an Oscar. <laughs> It's genuinely true. masterpiece um, shit yeah um Kristen Stewart in Panic Room is really good just because she looks so much like Jodie Foster it's impossible to like see it any other way <laughs> uh, I always really like Kristen Dunst in Interview the Vampire I think her role in that is really good mm-hmm. um and then we have an email from Tron um Tron's answer is probably J.J. Abrams with The Pal of Lost uh, which is a fair one. Um, is there anything here that uh, we... Destiny, are you probably the best answer for this. What's some of your favorite queer movies? Uh, oh, my goodness. The Incredible Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Uh, my Own Private Idaho. Paris is Burning. Um, shit, there's so many. Uh, the Living End. Uh, Doom Generation. Tarnation. Uh, I could keep going. Do you want me to like, keep going four more movies until I get to ten? Sure, if you want. Okay. Um, my summer of love, and hmm, 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 poison. Uh, tongues untied, and uh, shit, just any of the the the. Either of the two really good James Baldwin documentaries, uh, which, of course, I'm blanking on the name of one of them, but there's I Am Not Your Negro, and then there was another one from the 80s that is also very good. Okay. Um, I would probably say uh, Waterbound Woman's really good. We covered that for this podcast. Love it. Um, Weekend. Oh, Weekend. Weekend. Happy Together. Um, I really like sorry you gotta stop sorry. uh I, portrait of a woman on fire i think is really good the favorite also really good for like modern ones um yeah jackson um like favorite queer movies yeah god this is hard for me because i know there's like some i like i just don't know in my head like i don't hold a list of oh what are the the queer movies i like because i'd never had like a uh teenage gay movie phase no me either Swoon, bound, chasing. I do Amy. like bound. <laughs> um, 
chasing. <laughs> I'm just being silly. I, I defend chasing Amy more than most people. I think that movie's uh, interesting about what it it's trying to say. I do, but I don't. I think it's interesting, but I don't think it's a gay movie. Yeah. No, it's a movie. It's a movie about having gay friends and you don't know how to handle it. Yes, yeah. yes, it I is. I think it's like remarkably self-aware from Kevin Smith more than anything before or since. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Agreed. I guess I'll say um, I really like fucking Dog Day Afternoon, classic film, which um, I've never seen. I've never like, seen it either. They, you know, there is a like uh, queer relationship that's at the heart of that movie, but I feel like calling it a queer movie is a little uh, disingenuous because it's mostly about, uh, you know. Al Pacino standing alone, um, yelling in a bank robbery. Um, but maybe that's maybe that's also a shitty thing to say. I don't know. There may, you can make arguments either way. You, there are people who say that movie uses its like rip from the headlines uh, queer content as just like texture, and other people who are, I know are very passionate about this being a genuinely uh, important queer movie. Um, I don't want to like say either way. I haven't thought about it too much. It's just a movie I adore. Um, I've got one I more. Really like, I really liked Beau Bo Travail. Beau Travail. I had it in French when you say it. I watched that at school as well in my mm-hmm. uh, unit and was like, damn. I know it's like a classic one that everyone mentions, but damn, that was just really fucking good. I love when you watch the movie in school that you're told is good and then it's just as good as they say. That rarely happens, especially when you're watching it like in class. But that was a uh, real great time for that. Mm-hmm. It was not true when I had to watch Boys Don't Cry, which fucking sucks. <laughs> There's like two or three things I like about that movie, but I have not seen it since it came out on DVD, so it's time to rewatch and reevaluate. I've never seen it. I don't really intend to. It seems bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's hard watch. It's a hard watch, but... That's that not a movie anyone's really stomping for in 2023. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, when have you been most surprised to find out a famous actor is in a movie? I was really surprised to see Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. He talked about this, but I did not know that was Colin Farrell in the Batman. <laughs> Wait, really? Really? I had no idea until the credits rolled, and that never happens to me. <laughs> that's uh that's, that's very funny. funny to me. <laughs> oh. Uh I can't think of a great example of this. I'm usually surprised whenever like I'm usually surprised whenever a non-famous actor who's like been in a TV show I like just shows up and there was in 2012 for some reason Bern Gorman was in like four movies and I was like what the fuck is Owen from Torture doing here? Um, <laughs> that was uh, a big one of those. The one I always famous. think of is um, Benicio de Toro's in the second of the Dalton Bond movies, just as like a random bad guy, and it's just like very clearly him. And you're like, what? What? What's happened here? <laughs> Really a, a new era of Hollywood has been born just in the background of this movie. Ethan Hawke in Glass Onion is just a sweet surprise. <laughs> just a tiny really little treat. <laughs> just that. a tasty little treat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I count cameos because then we got to shout out Elijah Wood as the guy in Spy Kids 3D. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, that's, that's the classic that's moment. more of a cameo. <laughs> Definitely more of a cameo. It is more like, oh, this this person was in that movie way before they were famous? Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. What's everyone's answer to the question of the week? I will say, in doing research to try to answer this question of the week, I was like, man, I don't know what the fuck's happened with TV. Because every director does TV now, but they're like, they were showrunner and directed all 12 episodes of a show I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, they, they've all directed some fucking Apple TV miniseries that would have been a movie a decade ago, but we fucked it yeah but like no one's heard of it and i've never heard anyone talk about it it just doesn't exist basically 
Yeah. Uh, this ended up being a more typical question than I asked because this is a TV movie, uh, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about it. my my answer, my go to is um, so uh, you know, Tarantino directed an episode of CSI uh, that I think is fantastic. And there's also that bit in Once Time in Hollywood where he like makes a TV movie in the middle of the actual movie. And I've just been kind of annoyed ever since that he insists on doing these like incredible fucking epic statements on the metatextual value of this like B-movie stuff he likes rather than just making television. He could just be making it, but he's making a thing out of making it. And I, for some reason, find that annoying. I'm like, if Tarantino was true to himself, he would just be making 12 episodes of television a year uh, and not wasting everyone's fucking time. <laughs> this is the thing I believe in my heart. It's kind of a rude opinion, but I do believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's fair. The bit, uh, the fake western in the middle of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is much better than actual Once Upon a Time in yes, Hollywood. Yes, it's true. Yes, that is true. My answer is uh, Mr. David Lynch. Cheating, but cheating. Sure. It's cheating, cheating but, it but I don't enough. care. I I looked it up, and I was like, oh no, this is a great. Uh, this is a great director doing some great TV. I also thought of um, my my second answer was Lars von Trier's The Kingdom. Which was yeah. a very short uh, television show that he did, and I believe there is a second season. Yeah, that just aired like last year, the year before, something like that. Which is wild because most of that cast is dead. Yeah, um, they were a lot just older. like Twin Peaks. Just like Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's those are my answers. Uh, my um, answer uh, is. Uh, I'm not going to go back and watch them, but I remember loving the Justin Lin episodes of Community. Just brought a real cinema energy to the world's most bottle show television show. Um, and uh, they're fucking great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just, just nodding. I liked Edgar Wright's TV show Spaced. Oh, I, I wonder if that's spaced. true. I wonder if that holds up. Yeah, I have not seen it Because, like, since... we went back to Hot Fuzz, and it was fucking terrible. And I was like, I've been I've been Destiny with, good... like, uh, Spaced. I, I tried to watch like... Spaced uh, maybe 10 years ago, and I was like, this is just like, oh, do you know what Star Wars is? I do, too. And I'm like, oh, the, the universe has changed <laughs> around true. what is valuable about nerd humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, it's that definitely might be one the of case. those. But I also remember, I don't, I, so I watched a bit of Space at the time. Not at the time. I watched a bit of Space in, like, uh, 2010, because um, I was five when Space was airing. Uh and I-, I liked it at the time, and but I have no idea if it holds up. But I do remember, like, um, not it wasn't from space, but there's like an advert or it was a music video, I think, that he did. That's like the beginning of Baby Driver. He just rips off exactly for Baby Driver. Uh, and there's definitely something to like Edgar Wright shtick works better when it's filmed in shitty British TV cameras with an office guy that looks schlubby, uh, as opposed to I'm doing this with like Hollywood movie stars still doing the same referential nonsense. There, there is definitely like you get a bit of value by the rundownness of, you know, I'm a YouTuber doing cute references about the things he likes is different than a two, you know, thirty million dollar movie uh, doing references to the thing you like, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the, the direction the culture's changed for uh, sure. Though I bet. Uh, I mean, I bet both the movies and the TV show hold up way better uh, on Joe Cornish's end, but I haven't actually rewatched any Adam and Joe show since I was in high school. But I can't, I can't tell you either way. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Adam and Joe show did not make it to America. No one's like, oh, well, let's go check out the Adam and Joe show. <laughs> it's called the Adam and Joe show. Yeah, sounds like they a got, morning they, radio thing. 
hey, tell me if you've heard this before, they were doing reenactments of like comedy bits with Star Wars characters, but they're action figures. Oh, Robot Chicken. No, they were first. <laughs> they love to mention that, that they were first. It doesn't matter. They love to mention that they were first. In their defense, Robot Chicken is not that good. No, um. but <laughs> everyone thought it was really funny when it first premiered. Yeah. Adam and Joe show leads to the Adam and Joe radio show, which leads to the actual best thing they've all made, uh, which is the Quantum of Solace theme tune. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, all right. Um, Destiny, what's next? What's our next question of the week? Uh, our next movie is Funeral Parade of Roses. I believe the 1960 film. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going with this fake theme that we actually enacted. It's another queer film. And the question of the week is, what's your favorite, uh, I don't know if this is a very good question, but, like, what's your favorite, like, fiction within a movie, like, movie within a movie moment, or, Mm -hmm. like, meta thing in a movie? Yeah. For example, uh, for example, Tom Cruise playing Austin Powers in Austin Powers 3 Goldman. That's a very um, good example. Thank you. <laughs> it's a very good example in a very, very bad movie. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it other than the Tom Cruise bit. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me. Well, that reminds me of the three steps remains. But I, um, that reminded me of Tropic Thunder, which reminded me of the insensitive movie in the middle of Tropic Thunder, which reminded me of. I was looking at Wikipedia for the other stuff Stephen Frears was doing in the eighties, and there is a movie that's like. Ian McKellen stars as a mentally challenged man who gets abused and like this the social services send him to a institution and then he's like molested there and then someone else kills himself in front of him and he has a breakdown he's in the institution for the rest of the film that's the summary on Wikipedia it's the most cartoonishly over the top oh. this is a dramatic kitchen sink movie thing I've ever seen I think I was like this is like if 30 Rock was doing a parody of a like 80s British movie they would make this uh ridiculous what the fuck is this yeah what the uh, fuck? i'm not gonna watch it to find out but uh damn wow and yikes exactly so yeah there you go anyway uh do we have anything else that, that the podcast done I think podcast that's it. complete yeah you can find me at headfalls off on twitter.com uh you can find the podcast at me and i'm doing at uh, did you already plug Destiny? No, at FridgeBuzzNow, okay. most places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being, where I'm actually tweeting more, finally, on Main. Um, and if you'd like to support our work, you can go to patreon.com slash mapping, where for $1, you get to watch us finish Gundam Seed Destiny this week. For thank Jesus. I know we're moving <laughs> on. Uh, they should drop Gund- the trailer. Gundam Igloo. Um, and um, for $5, you get Blockbusters. We recently watched Paddington. We're about to watch Quiz Show in the next couple weeks. Um, and then for $10, you get uh, VoIP Life, which we mostly just hang out and goof, out, goof around. The most recent episode's about E3 announcements, what we're excited for. So ga- only gamers apply. But, you know, we have episodes about other things sometimes. Um, As you may have guessed by the fact that there are no movies at the start of Rough Trade Screens anymore. <laughs> Gaming mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... So be it. Uh, That's it. We'll be back with another movie in two weeks. Until then, movies. Now more than ever. Don't expect to like them.